0: everyone, welcome to another episode of Please Correlate. My name is Jenny I'm a radiology reg in the UK. These are my FRCR 2A revision notes which I've popped on here in case anyone else might find them useful. I apologise in advance if there's any errors. If you do spot anything, let me know and I'll pop all my sources down in the information section. So this episode is causes of upper airway obstruction. We'll start with acute to begin with and in acute upper airway obstruction On test x-ray, you'd see small or normal lung volumes with distension proximally to the obstruction. So we'll just go back condition by condition. So starting with croup, otherwise called laryngotracheobronchitis. This is a condition seen usually in children aged six months to three years. And it's usually seen in parainfluenza infections. Here you'd see narrowing of the glottis and subglottic airway. And you'd see ballooning of the hypopharynx and lateral views. The sort of classic sign for croup is steepling of the upper airway on the frontal views. Moving on to acute epiglottitis. So here you get a swollen and shortened epiglottis. And the classic sign here is the thumbprint sign on lateral x-ray. Other components can also be swollen. And you can see distension of the hypopharynx and piriform sinuses. Moving on to retropharyngeal abscess. You can see these most often in children less than two years of age. And here on the lateral x-ray, you'd see enlargement of the prevertebral soft tissues. You can also see a gas or fluid level in the abscess cavity. And on CT or MRI, you'd see rim enhancement post-post contrast. If there is edema, which you most often get in the laryngeal region, this could be secondary to allergic reactions or anaphylaxis, also inhalation of noxious gases or trauma. And then, of course, you can get foreign bodies in the upper airway, although these tend to be bronchial, really, rather than upper airway. Next condition is coenal atresia. So this is congenital occlusion of the coenae in the postnasal cavity. And it's the most common congenital nasal abnormality. It's bilateral in 33% of cases. And if it is unilateral, then the right side is affected more often than the left. The majority of cases are bony and you get either get complete or incomplete forms. If it is bilateral and complete, then the presentation is of severe respiratory distress at birth. If it's incomplete, then the infant can have difficulty feeding. The diagnosis is made by being unable to pass an NG-tube, or by a nasopharyngoscopy, or by CT. It's associated with CHARGE syndrome. So here, C stands for coloboma, H stands for heart defects, A stands for cranial atresia, R stands for developmental retardation. however this is now termed intellectual disability, G stands for GU abnormalities, and E is for ear abnormalities. Next condition is piriform aperture stenosis, which is a bony overgrowth of the medial nasal process of the maxilla. Next condition is retropharyngeal hemorrhage. Typically, these are obviously caused by trauma, neck surgery, or bleeding disorders. And here you see on the lateral x-ray, widening of the retropharyngeal soft. So now we'll move on to chronic upper airway obstruction causes. So starting with nasal pathologies. So you can get nasal rhabdomyosarcomas. You can get, as I mentioned before, cranial atresia in the incomplete form. You can get nasal angiofibromas. These are often seen in teenage males and the symptoms they present with are of nasal obstruction and epistaxis. These lesions are very vascular. On x-ray you'd see anterior bone, of the posterior wall of the maxillary antrum with a deviated nasal septum and a nasopharyngeal soft tissue mass and bony erosion would be seen on CT or MRI. It typically originates at the sphenopalatine foramen. Next condition, you can get antrochoanal polyps. In the supraglossic region, obviously, you can get enlarged tonsils and adenoids. You can get laryngomalacia, which is present at birth or shortly afterwards, and it usually resolves by two years of age. It's diagnosed with laryngoscopy or with fluoro, and you see distension of the hypopharynx. Next condition is microdaphnia. This can be seen in Pierre Robin syndrome. You can also get cysts of the epiglottis or aryepiglottic folds. Glottic reasons would be cysts, papillomas or polyps. And then subglottic or tracheal presentations could be tracheomalacia, which you get two forms, either primary or secondary. In the primary form, in the primary form it's seen in premature infants and in cartilage disorders such as polychondritis, chondromalacia and mucopolysaccharidoses. Secondary form is from more external factors, So it can be seen after long intubations, or with tracheoesophageal fistulas or esophageal atresias, with vascular rings or vascular compression, and from long-standing external compression. You can get subglottic hemangiomas, which is seen pre-six months of age, and it's the most common soft tissue mass in infancy. 50% of these patients have cutaneous hemangiomas, and it causes asymmetric narrowing. Next condition is congenital tracheal stenosis, This is caused by incomplete cartilaginous rings and is associated with pulmonary arterial slings. Next condition is respiratory papillomatosis. These can occur anywhere along the track from the nose to the lungs and these are irregular soft tissue masses which may cavitate around the glottis or the trachea. Okay so that's everything for this little module a bit quicker than the last one. Next episode will be on mediastinal masses in the pediatric patient. Hopefully this was a little bit useful for you guys and I'll see you next time.